When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one and only Mr. Mike Hill. Hey. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm okay. What are you up to today? Just working, about to get into my you know job. Just got off the phone with Cynthia. She's doing a lot of press today. So, you know, checking in with the lady. I'm out in LA. She's in Atlanta today. So, uh, you know, just doing what I usually do, and that's work all the time. And she is in Atlanta, and you, you're in L.A. today, right? I'm in, yeah, I'm in L.A. I had to come out here to do some work, uh, do some studio work, so I had to come out to L.A., but she's um, finishing up, wrapping up things with uh, Housewives and whatnot, and she'll be joining me out here sometime next month. Are you shocked at how much press goes into this show? Uh, being with an entertainment background myself, I'm not as shocked about how many, how much press. I mean, you know, being the person that she is, the entertainer that she is, and the celebrity she is. I remember the first year I was with her, and it came out that we were actually together, and I went on the press run with her right after the season, and I remember how long that day was. So, I, I'm not shocked at as how much press she has to do, but. I'm kind of shocked as how much energy she has to be able to do all the press she has to do and all the work she does. And that's what makes her so brilliant. She's just a wonderful person that just works really hard and deserves everything she has. I would agree with all that. Now, we're going to come back to that. But before we get there, tell me about yourself. So you are, you're currently, you're originally from the Bronx, right? I, I know you didn't grow up there, but you were born in the Bronx. Yeah, I was born in the Boogie Down Bronx in New York, but I moved to Alabama at an early age, went into the military right out of high school, uh, got into broadcasting right after my military career for the last 25 years. I've been doing broadcasting 
last eight, been at Fox Sports. Uh, prior to that, I was at ESPN for nine years. I got three kids now because Noel is my baby too. Uh, and uh, all girls, uh, Ashley and Kayla, my, my, my two biological children. And I uh, just like to have fun, man. It's like enjoy life and, and try to make the world a better place to live in and entertain and inform people as much as I can. Was it always the military for you? Like, did you always know you were going to go into the military? Uh, not in the beginning. I, I, of course, I had dreams of going to college, you know, in high school, but I just realized I didn't have the discipline that, that I, I needed to have to, to actually go. I, I think I would have been one of those guys that probably went for a year and just went to, to drink, <laughs> hang out, the party, never really go to class. I just didn't have that self-discipline I needed. So the military was what, what I actually needed to prepare me for later on in life. But I had two cousins who went into the military, into the Air Force, that made me kind of say, you know what, I see their path that they took, and I want to take that same and similar path, and, and, and it worked out for me. What did you learn in the military? I, 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 well, first of all, I learned how to be on time. I love Time is of an essence. I think time is money, and I really believe that because, you know, just let me know. If you're not going to be on time for something, let me know you're not going to be on time because I could be doing other things to kind of be really productive. So that the discipline uh, and, and the value of teamwork, too, and, and working as a team and be, being unified when it comes to that. So I don't look at I like individual success. Don't get me wrong. But I, I think that the most uh, fulfilling success is success is when you can come together as a team to accomplish something, a, a huge goal of yours. I personally have major issues with time, meaning that I am on time. I do not understand how people cannot be on time. And I have a real thing as well. I yes. don't get it like it's not that hard like how do you hold down a job how do you do anything i i, I don't get it it's a big thing i, I think it's I, I think it's damn disrespectful when somebody doesn't value your time because it's my time so if you tell me that you want me to be somewhere at 11 or you're going to be somewhere at 11 please be there at 10 55 11 o'clock no later than 11 05 and if you're going to be late, you're going to be 11, 15, 11, 30, 12 o'clock, please call me and let me know, hey, I'm running late and be honest with me. So many times, <laughs> it says, especially black people, <laughs> this is just true. A lot of times, be like, hey, man, I'm right around the corner. I'm, I'm, I'm a minute away. And they know they're an hour away. They haven't even left their house or whatnot. So you're sitting there waiting for them to show up. Meanwhile, you could be doing something really productive to make more money or do something better with your time so you can get your day started. So, yeah, I am a stickler for somebody not respecting my time. I agree. I, I, I don't get it. I just, but how is Cynthia with time? Is she good about being on time? Cynthia is great. That's what makes us work. Uh, she, um, she's definitely not the most like prompt person, but she'll be around <laughs> the, the time frame of where we want to go. If we want to leave somewhere. So I'll be like, babe, we got 15 minutes. You know, she said, okay, I'll be there. She'll be ready. You know what I mean? So I give her uh, reminders every now and then. She's definitely not like some of the other ladies that's on that show because you've seen it on this show. And I don't have to say anything about it, but you've seen how late they are to certain events or whatever. So uh, she's definitely not one of those type of people. I've seen it on the show and I deal with it all the time in this job of mine. I mean, I'm like, that's why when, when you were on two minutes early, I was like, well, military, of course you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen it on the show at your engagement party as well. Yeah. Um, well, and, and that was crazy because of our engagement party. We thought we, we really thought that Joe Biden was going to be. We didn't know it was an engagement party, first and foremost. I know. So that's why we were so surprised because we walked into the room, the space, and all we saw was this 
ice sculpture and all this white stuff. And we couldn't really make out anything, so we couldn't really see chill. So we didn't notice that. Only thing we saw when we first walked in, we saw Kenya, we saw Candy, we saw some of the other ladies, and they seemed so surprised to see Cynthia. And I, I mean, the first thing in my mind was like, wow, they are really surprised to see you. They're happy to see you today. Wow, what's, what's going on? And I'm still looking around for like presidential stuff, Joe Biden. I'm like, I don't see any secret service here. It's kind of odd or whatever. So that's why we didn't notice that the, uh, the engagement party was actually an engagement party for us because we were just kind of focused on the ladies when we first walked into the room. And then when we walked back out, that's when we noticed the ice sculpture, said chill and the pictures on the wall and all that type of stuff. But yeah, uh, we, we were there on time. We showed up a little bit early, I guess earlier than expected. A lot of ladies were there, but even telling some of the other women who didn't know Outside of Candy, I believe, in Kenya, the other ladies didn't know what was going on either. They thought it was a, a big event, maybe a presidential event. Oh, wow. And some people still, you know, I ain't going to say anything. They, some people still didn't show up on time. But that's, that's cool. That's their lives. So they were technically late for the president, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess you, you can say it that way. Now, I mean, it was an amazing engagement party, but how disappointed on a scale from one to 10 were you and <laughs> Cynthia? And are you guys over it now that you do not get to meet President Biden? First and foremost, I have to say that thank you, Kenya, for putting on an amazing event and a beautiful evening. It was spectacular. It was first class, A1, top-notch class. It was a beautiful night altogether. Uh, the disappointment, uh, who wouldn't want to meet somebody that was going to be your future president of the United States or possibly even a vice president, Kamala Harris or somebody, some other dignitary or whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there was a little disappointment. But at the end of the day, when you look back on it, it's like it was still worth it. It was still a beautiful night. It's just that you get your mind uh, hyped up about something. It's like thinking, OK, well, you're about to go on a date with uh, Holly Berry, but you end up with another starlet, you know, maybe, you know, Rihanna. It ain't that bad. It ain't Holly Berry. And I ain't taking nothing away from Rihanna, but it ain't Holly Berry. You know what I mean? But I still like Rihanna. You know what I mean? It's still, still a beautiful night. So it's something that's memorable and something we'll never forget. And uh, But, you know, yeah, I, one day we'll meet Biden. I gave him enough money for his campaign. So I should get some kind of invite, some kind of way. Just like, can you send me a postcard? <laughs> or Seriously. Yeah. What about, so after the military, like you have this illustrious career as like a sportscaster, sports journalist, you just, yeah. did you love sports growing up? I did. Uh, I, I played sports when I was in high school, played sports when I was in the military. I wasn't great at it. That's why I decided that, you know what, I still want to stay in sports. So I want to talk about it. So uh, I did at the time, I didn't want to do news because I was so depressed and I didn't want to be the person that delivers bad news. And I figured being in sports and the excitement and energy that you bring to sports, somebody's going to be happy. So even if your team loses, it's not the end of the world. I mean, you'd be disappointed, but it's not the end of the world. It's not like saying, you know, five children died in a house fire or some kind of explosion, anything like that. So that's one reason I want to get in sports and, and it worked out for me, but over a period of time, now that I've gotten older and, and, and uh, matured some and written the book, I realized that my calling is a little bit different now. So I've made, I'm still in sports, but I'm making more of a transition more into the entertainment space, hosting and doing, you know, more journalism, hard news stuff. So that's where my life is going now. Do you have a favorite sport? The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. 
Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, the thing is, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if there's one thing I've learned, there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless services starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, okay, what's the catch? But after speaking with them and using their service, it all made sense to me. There isn't one. Mint Mobile is the first company to sell wireless services online only. It's a brilliant idea. I don't know why no one has thought of this before. So by cutting out retail brick and mortar stores, there's no crazy overhead costs that they have to pay that get passed down to you. They're able to save all of that. And the only thing that they pass down to you is great savings. That's right. The plans start at just $15 a month. I'm using it. It's great. And of course, it comes with unlimited talk and text, high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And don't freak out yet. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and you keep your same phone number. So for everyone looking to get in touch with me, I have the same phone number since switching to Mint Mobile. And if you're not 100% satisfied, they have a seven-day money-back guarantee. This has changed my life. It starts at 15 bucks a month. So to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash velvet rope. That's mintmobile.com slash velvet rope. And you will cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash velvet rope. If you want to stop paying exorbitant amount and only want to pay 15 bucks a month, mintmobile.com slash velvet rope. That's it. 15 bucks a month. I do. Uh, I'm a huge NFL fan followed closely by the NBA. Um, my team sucks. <laughs> I'm a Giants fan. They okay. suck. The Knicks suck. But, you know, overall, those are my two favorite sports. And you won two Emmys for what you do. Yeah. I, when I was uh, two local Emmys in, in Nashville for high school football coverage, uh, yeah, I mean, so it's a compliment. I've had a really good career, and I'm, I'm really proud of it. So let's talk about your book before we get back mm-hmm. to Cynthia for a minute. So mm-hmm. I read parts of your book, Open Mic. Now, first, let me just say, what a great name for a book. Oh, thank you. I, I mean, it. that just kind of fell into place, right? Yeah, it's a little double, double entendre, just open mic, just open mic it around. If you know anything about broadcasting, open mic is something that you don't want to speak into without you knowing that you have an open mic but also an open mic sometimes means i'm open i'm I'm fully on display and that's why i'm bearing it all pretty much on the cover literally yes you are and you know just from like reading parts of the book like i thought it was you know it was very open honest unfiltered you know 
not to be overly dramatic, but like it was brave. Like you told a lie. Mm -hmm. So like, why now? Like, did you grapple with this, you know, just putting all this to paper in the past or like, why now? I did. Uh, I actually, somebody told me I should write this book like six, seven years ago because they knew about my life and they said, you should write a book. But I'm like, you know, nobody knows me. You know, why am I, you know, even though I'm known in sports industry or whatever, how's this going to help anybody and whatnot. And uh, so I started writing a little bit about my life story, but it didn't really hit me. But then three years ago, uh, I was living a life where I was telling everybody I was happy. I was even telling myself I was happy on the inside and out. But I would go home at night and I'd be in a hotel room if I'm on the road with a team and I start crying uncontrollably. And I didn't realize why I was crying. And then there was a voice that told me, said, you know what, you, you need to write this book. You need to get some things off your chest. So once I started writing it, I realized that I had so much trauma that I had suppressed and packed inside of me for so many years that I had not let out. I didn't have any kind of therapy over the years, what uh, whatnot, anybody to talk to about it. It was just something that a lot of people, especially people of color, uh, decided to do in life and just kind of like deal with life that way. But I had to unpack all that type of stuff. So once I started letting it out, I realized that there was this weight that was being lifted off of my body and off of my mentality that was actually helping me. Uh, so when I started writing the memoir, I put it out. I did want to release the book because, like you said, there's a lot of embarrassing details in that book. And I was just going to use it as my therapy. But then I showed it to a couple of people and they said, you have to. You got to help people because people need to realize that they're going through similar things that you've gone through and you need to tell them how they can overcome those things. And that's what I'm doing. Wow. So when you first started writing, it was really just for you, like your own cathartic therapy. You weren't going to yeah. put it out. Wow. I, I didn't. I, you, know, you, you read some of the things in that book, man. I, don't want to, I didn't want, you know, like, yeah, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm open about that. I've always been kind of like an open book, a little transparent. If you ask me the right questions, I'll tell you the truth or whatnot. Uh, I've never lied about, you know, my infidelities in the past when I've, you know, had relationships with anybody. It's just who I am, part of who I am, who I, who I was and, and the growth that I've had to make over the years or whatever. But yeah, when I, when I first started writing the book, it was like, okay, I need to write this book. It is not something I want to have as a New York Times bestseller. I'm not looking at the money. I'm not looking at the accolades, anything like that. I had to write this book because if I had not written this book, I really feel like David, that I would have died. I really felt like there was so much that was packed inside of me, so much trauma that was inside of me that was holding me down uh, from growing to becoming the man that I am growing into becoming today. But also uh, the, the, the health issues that I could have had from, you know, like having a stroke. My dad died of a stroke, you know, uh, high blood pressure, cholesterol, all those type of things that lead to the, the, the mental issues that you have turning to physical issues over a period of time. And I really felt like I was dying on the inside and eventually that was going to be the case for me overall. Wow. And then to your point, you know, like, as, like you said, like a man of color, like did that plan to it, you know, like sports, masculine, straight, a man mm -hmm. of color, like, was that like your, you know, it's all supposed to be suppressed and life is supposed to be good. And that that's not what a straight black masculine mm -hmm. man does. Nope. That's what we, we are taught to not talk about your emotions, to not talk about your issues. We are taught that you got to man up. You have got to be bigger than that. You cannot tell people your, your problems or whatnot because if you cry about it, if you show emotions, then, yeah, I, you get called names growing up as a kid, growing up in the black community. You get called a sissy. You get called things like that. I've been called that before when I showed any kind of emotions growing up. So you learn to suppress that because of the way society in your neighborhoods – 
view you. And so you learn to like, okay, kind of hide that and hide behind that facade and that mask and not show certain things in your life. But really, that's really just hurting you. And that's, that, that's, 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 that's killing you, literally. So uh, what I decided to do, and one of the reasons, once again, why I put this out there and why I'm such an advocate of black men, especially showing those emotions and going out and getting the therapy that they need, is because we are killing ourselves. We're dying uh, at a quick rate because we're not allowing ourselves the expression that we need to express in order to get those things that, that are killing us outside of our body. It's almost like cancer, in a sense. I'm not, I'm not uh, 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 comparing it directly to the, the cancer, but it's like a cancer in your body because as long as you keep it in there, it's going to continue to grow until you cut it out. And once you cut it out, that's like the surgery. Me cutting it out was me writing this book. I had to cut that out, release that. But my, my therapy became my rehabilitation. So it's important to get it out of your system, but it's also important to follow it up to make sure that it doesn't go back into your system. So that's why I'm really an advocate right now for mental therapy. And that's one of the reasons that I'm really uh, uh, standing on the, uh, the platform of this book right now. Was there something in this book, Open Mic, you know, because again, like you talked about, like some sexual things that happened when you were young, like your stepfather, mm -hmm. like was mm -hmm. a contracted killer. Like, was yeah. there one thing that was harder to write than the other? Like, uh, was you know, one of the things, maybe not even either of those. Those were two things that stuck out to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, reliving, you know, the memories of my mom, you know, getting her ass whipped, <laughs> that, that's hard. I mean, you know, when you think about, I mean, my first memory as a child is of my mother being beaten. That's like the, I'm thinking back, like, okay, can I remember anything before that? And my first memory as a child is me hearing my mom scream. And I'm still here today. And even though I've released that and I'm getting, it still hurts me. And I still get emotional thinking about this man that is there to protect his woman is the man that's harming this woman, you know, and effects that it had on my life. And also just, you know, not having proper male uh, mentorship uh, in my life. You know, I had men around me, but not necessarily uh, the right type of men to give me the life lessons that I needed to become the man that I want to be eventually one day, because I'm still growing into my manhood. I'm still, I can't really consider myself a full man, right? Because I'm still going through my rehabilitation process to become that man that I need to be. So, yeah, I mean, so those, when you think about uh, the, the, the stories that I told and talking about, you know, like, um, sexuality and, and, and learning how to, uh, you know, uh, deal with women. You know, I don't know if you read the, the, the passage where, you know, basically I was kind of molested as, as a child. Right. And my, and my dad basically said, if a woman does that, let her do it. You know, those are the type of lessons that you hear in the community and you understand now what he kind of meant. Like, okay, well, it's a woman, you're a man. It's what, but that's not, you, that's not a lesson you tell a nine-year-old that doesn't fully understand sexuality and just leave it at that, that and let him uh, kind of figure it out along the way. And that's been a big issue with me in my life is trying to figure it out along the way. The small lessons or the non-lessons that I've been given and all of a sudden life hits you and then now you got to try and figure it out as a boy growing into a man. And like to your point, that probably was tied into like your prior infidelities as well. Like it, it all ties I, together. I, you know, and I'm not trying to, I'm not blaming my stepdad or my dad or anybody else. I, at the end of the day, I have to take the onus and the blame and responsibility for myself. But I will say that those type of things contributed 
me contributed to me uh, and the infidelities that I had uh, growing up and not knowing any better. Now, a lot of it was just greed. A lot of it was just my my own issues that I had, my inadequacies, and and and, and that was like like my drug uh, to kind of supplement some of the things that I felt like I was missing in my life. But I didn't even realize that until after the book. I realized that once I went to therapy and I realized, okay, why am I doing this? You know, okay, now I know. As a man, you know the life lessons, even though you're in a relationship, you've hurt women before in the past, you learn your lesson or whatnot, you see how what kind of effect it had on them. Okay, snap out of it. No matter what you were taught as a kid from your dad or anybody else or any other male, you should know better as a man growing up. You know, you're an adult now. You know, you, 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 if you're a juvenile and you burn down a liquor store or whatever or whatnot because your dad told you to do so, okay, it's your fault. If you're 30 some years old and you're doing it now, you're going to jail for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? So yeah. I understand that there are responsibilities I need to take, but looking back, realizing that sometimes I didn't have some of those, um, that, 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 that roadmap or that blueprint kind of affected me in my life and, and it hurt. But at the end of the day, I have to take the onus and responsibility on myself for my actions. And it's hard to break patterns, you know? Yeah you can see that like, you know what you're doing is wrong, but it's still hard to break patterns. I think at times. Oh, absolutely. So like to your point, which you just said, you know, earlier that like, if you didn't write this book, you may not even be here. Like, was it that, I don't know if simple is the right word, but was it really like a before and after, like you wrote this book, I mean, you're in therapy now and then you're like, wow, like was the weight lifted? Like as soon as it was done. When, when I started, like I said, before I started writing, I would cry because I, I, lit, I put up this big mask that I pretended I was hiding what was on the inside because I didn't want people to see the real me. So I did such a good job of hiding the true me. I think I was, I've always been, a, a, I think, a good person, a lovable person, somebody who wants to make the world better, make everybody happy. And that could be a problem sometimes. I wanted to please everybody. And that included women that came into my life or whatever, and I couldn't turn them down. But at the same time, I put on this big facade and telling myself, man, you're happy, you're living this life, you're great or whatever. And I fooled my, my own self. And like I said, you can't ultimately fool yourself because the real you is going to come out. And the real me came out through my emotions and me crying. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm thinking I'm going through some kind of crisis. I'm thinking like, am I taking too much estrogen? I'm like, seriously, I'm like, what, what is happening in my life? I'm like, what's going on? And when I started writing the book, that's when I started feeling this is the issue. This is the problem because I would write something. I, I first, the way I put this book together is I just kind of looked at, looked back over my life and I did like um, an outline of key moments in my life from childhood to young adulthood, to marriages, work, everything else. And I just kind of wrote, wrote down. So when I started writing the book and wrote it in my own words and telling these stories and reliving them for the first time ever, I started seeing things that I didn't know knew exist existed and, and, and it helped me and I, the light started going off. So when the light started going off, I was like, okay, this is the reason why I could never fall in love. This is the reason why I could never trust a woman. This is the reason why I didn't have the greatest relationship with my own daughters in the beginning. This is the reason why I couldn't uh, excel at work, all those type of things. So it became like pieces of the puzzle that were all, thrown together and then I started figuring it out and it started forming a picture for me that that actually helped me out a, a whole lot and don't you feel lucky because I mean some people never get there oh absolutely I, I feel blessed I, I, it's by the grace of God 
that I'm, I'm here to be able to tell my story uh, and to be able to be open. Like, like I said, I, I, I am really not, um, I'm not proud of a lot of the things that I've done. Absolutely not proud, but I felt like it was necessary for me to be able to tell those stories, even the embarrassing stories or the, the ones that were, uh, that didn't put me in the greatest light in order for me to share with other people so that they could learn a lot sooner. Because like you said, I'm lucky. I just turned 50 years old. I just started walking into my manhood at the age of 47. I've been a boy for all those years pretending to be a man. At the age of 47, I'm like, nah, that's not what it takes to be a man. And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm perfect at all. I'm still very flawed, but I'm still taking the steps necessary in order for me to get it right. And that's the reason I want to put it out because I want young men or even young women that know young men or young women themselves is going through something to understand that you're not alone. These things happen to me at an early age. This is the reason why. And here's your roadmap on how to make yourself better for yourself and for everybody else around you because you affect other people when you're going through mental issues. Did you hear from anyone, you know, like anyone we know that like reached out and is like, you know, this helped or like, wow, you know, like any sports people, any people in the entertainment industry that we would know that were just like, holy crap. No, I mean, I mean, like Dr. Ian Smith is one of the first guys, you know, he's the host of the doctors and whatnot. He's the one that really encouraged me to actually put the book out. He's got 21 books out and uh, I know him through Cynthia and I sent him the first manuscript or whatever, just kind of let him see it or whatever. Like I said, I had no intentions of sending it out. And he, he's one of the ones that encouraged me that I had to. But the, the main thing is not necessarily the entertainers or the celebrities or whatever who've read the book. It's the people that I get in my DMs to this day that still like, you know, thank you so much for being so honest. Thank you for being transparent. It's necessary. I'm sending this to my nephew. I'm sending this to my son. My, my husband needs to read this. That, that's the, 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 the biggest you know, compliment I can get is that it's actually helping people. Uh, and, and that was the, the intentions when I put it out. It is. Like I said, I mean, I just thought it was very open and honest. And so Thank you. I think it's great. Wait, I have another question. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, listen, I love being the host of the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast, but bringing you guys five shows a week, tracking down the top Bravo liberties to bring you new creative content every day, that causes me stress. It causes me anxiety. I'm not even going to get into the lack of sleep or lack of a relationship. So I needed somewhere to turn. And for me, I turned to BetterHelp. I love BetterHelp because it's professional counseling right from the comfort of your own home. What they do is they match you with a licensed therapist who's a professional that fits your needs and the things that you want to talk about. So you may not have the same issues as I do. They also deal with LGBTQIA issues, anger, grief, trauma. If you are having relationship issues, if you're in a relationship, good for you. I'm not. They really deal with everything and everything you share is confidential. So I cannot stress how much because of this job that I love so much, it has caused me some issues and better help really is a lifesaver. Right now, if you guys also want to start living a happier life, as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com. 
slash velvet rope. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash velvet rope. And as a listener, you guys get 10% off your first month. Try it. I promise you, you are going to feel so much better once you talk to one of their licensed professional counselors. And listen, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. DM me. Let me know how it goes. This has been a lifesaver for me. Now, before we turn this bus left, is there anything else you want to talk about with your illustrious sports career as like a sports caster or sports journalist? You know, you do realize like, and this is what Kyle Richard said, Cynthia's friend over there at Beverly Hills. You realize that for us gay men, like these housewives are, these are our sports teams. Like it is, it's the same. So before, before we turn the bus left for 30 seconds, is there anything Mm. else you would like to talk about? you know, your Emmys, your career, what is going on today? I know you're transitioning into a different part of your career. Yeah, well, you know, uh, thank you for Fox Soul. I'm, I'm doing, uh, I'm host of the Mike and Donnie show, chopping up with Mike and Donnie on Fox Soul. We just celebrated a year today of Fox Soul. So it's the year That's anniversary good. of our launch and whatnot. And uh, just continue to get the book. We are uh, just announced that we're in uh, Walmart now, walmart.com, in addition to Barnes and Nobles. And of course, you can get on amazon.com. So continue to go out there and get the book. And the audio version of the book is coming out very soon. I'm about to go into the studio and actually uh, record that. So uh, just continue to support that. And we got a lot of great things coming out. We got open mic sessions that kind of came from the book. So uh, I'm doing these sessions once a month where I, I bring together a panel and we talk about issues like uh, one we had, what women need. Uh, having men on a panel with a woman talking about what women need in their lives when it comes to a relationship from a male perspective to kind of help them out a little bit. So we talked about the black man pandemic, mental health. Uh, we talked about keeping the, uh, the the Merry and Merry Christmas, the happy and happy holidays over the because of the pandemic. And we're going to be talking next month. I think we're doing something. Uh, oh, the couples because of Valentine's Day. So we're doing something with couples. Cynthia and I are going to do the open mic session together with other uh, celebrity couples. And we got another one coming out in the beginning of next month. We're talking because it's Black History Month. So we're going to do something where we're talking about the stigma of our history, talking about mental health and how we cannot allow our history to imprison us because we're, we're stuck in the things that we're, we grew up learning. So we got to right. change that history around. So yeah, we got a lot of stuff happening. And like you said, you know, like when you admit to crying, I'm sure people are like, what, Mike Hill cries and there's no stigma to that. No, I mean, and that's, and that's where we want to get to so that a black man can cry. Now, I don't want to like boo-hoo all the time or whatnot. Hold on a second, you know, because it's, it's, you know, if you start crying for no reason whatsoever, that's, look, to each his own. But at the same time, if there's something that's affecting you, that's hurting you inside, you need to let that go. And we want that to be to the point where uh, a, a strong man, black man or whatever, uh, can say that and, you know, not be labeled any kind of way. Uh, so I'm cool with it and I'm secure with it. I, I'll cry right now on the drop of the hat because it's, it's what I need to release in my life. And that's what I've learned. And now I want to be the example so that other men can realize that, you know what, you can do the same thing and get it off your chest. Literally. I think that's great. So prior prior to 2000 no and and really i do and the book really is honestly i'm not just saying that because you're sitting in front of me 
So prior to 2018, when you were on the mm-hmm. Steve Harvey show, did you yeah. know about the Housewives? Like, were you aware of it? Because, you know, you're a sports guy. You're in, I mean, I, I, you're in entertainment. Yeah. But yeah. like, were you aware of what the Housewives was? Yeah, yeah, I've been in relationships, so you know, I've, I've definitely, you know, what's crazy about the Real Housewives of Atlanta is that we, I used to watch it with my ex-wife. <laughs> so I watched, I used to, my ex-wife Camille um, turned me on to the Real Housewives of Atlanta, and we used to sit there on Sundays and actually watch it together. If we had it on DVR, we couldn't watch it without each other. So um, yeah, and what's crazy about that whole situation is that. Cynthia was like our favorite <laughs> so <laughs> long before I even knew about her personally and whatnot and, and met her and whatnot so yeah that, that's just and, and another thing about that is I, I knew Leon before I met Cynthia as well uh because I was trying to do a project with him as far as like doing a talk show with him so yeah I was very familiar with the uh, the Real Housewives of Atlanta franchise not the other ones so like you and your ex-wife Camille would watch and literally you both agreed that Cynthia was your favorite she was our favorite because, you know, like taking nothing, taking nothing away from the others. Of course, we, we love what Nene brought to the table. I think Phaedra, because when I was watching it back then, it was like the early years. Phaedra and Candy, we, we enjoyed all of them. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think everybody. So I don't think we were that big fans of, of Kim. That's that's just but like I don't know the lady. So I'm just saying I'm just being honest with you. But. Um, yeah, um, and, and we saw like some of the meanness, and so sometimes you go back and forth, like, oh, I like her this week, I don't like her that week. But one person who was always consistent was Cynthia, and we liked the way she carried herself. She was classy, and she still is today, obviously. And you know, yeah, so she was our favorite. Does your ex? What does your ex wife think? Does she still watch it now? And you're married to Cynthia. Uh, I don't. You know, I don't know. Um. I, I believe she keeps up with it. I do. Um, you know, her, her daughter is actually, our daughter's on the show every now and then. So I'm pretty sure she's yeah. seen some of the episodes and, you know, maybe she, she wasn't happy with one of the episodes. I know that, but at the same time, it's like, you know, she's understandable. And, you know, my ex-wife is a very classy person as well. Um, and, you know, I still love her to this day. And, uh, you know, she, so she's always been supportive and encouraging and just a great mom. So, you know, she and Cynthia sat down before we got married. Cynthia and all of us went to dinner together at, uh, I believe, Tao in D.C. and had a good time. So, you know, there's, there's nothing but, but love there. That, well, that's good. So having watched The Housewives, when you went on the Steve Harvey show, like, did you know? Like, I mean, how does that work? Like, does Steve call you up and say, hey, buddy, do me a solid. I, I need a third yeah. guy. Like, how did you get involved with this? Well, I, when I was, I was doing uh, Fox Sports Radio, and I, I had a partner named Ephraim Salam, still a good friend of mine to this day. Uh, he just hit me, and he was like, he, I was talking about my dating life in L.A. and single and this and that. But Ephraim has a wife that I, I just love their relationship. I still love to their relationship. They're, you're talking about a couple goals. They are a couple goals. Like, this is a man. He's one of the rare men that has been married all these years and never thought about cheating on his wife. I mean, seriously, I'm just, just being totally honest. Yeah. And the love and respect that they have for each other, being each other's best friend and doing everything together. I love that. And I told him when I said, man, I want that one day. And he said, he's always telling me, he's like, Mike, you ain't ready. You ain't ready. Cause I wasn't, I, I hadn't written a book yet. I, I was out in the streets and I thought I wanted a great woman, but I wouldn't, I didn't know how to treat a, a, a queen. So he said, all right, man, I'm gonna help you out. He said, um, Somebody from the Steve Harvey show 
uh, knew him of one of the producers and asked if he knew any single guys that was willing to come on the show as a bachelor. And he said, would you be willing to do something like that? I said, um, no, he said, well, it's with one of the real housewives of Atlanta. I'm like, which one? Cause that's important. <laughs> I, said, well, I said, which one? Yes. And then when he said Cynthia, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I ain't something I you know, normally jump at, but why not? It'll be something I do. And really I went on there being totally honest. I told Cynthia this, I went on there because I thought it was a game. Uh, it'd be fun to meet her. It'll be good. I knew Steve because D.L. Hughley's my cousin, so I've know known him for years with the Kings of Comedy or whatever. And I thought it would be me making a transition into another realm, good to be seen by the audience in the entertainment field. So oh. that's the reason I went on, and obviously I had no idea that it was going to lead to this. Well, you said, you know, when which one is important. Who would you not have wanted it to be? Oh, see, David, um... Uh, anybody but Cynthia, I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, nah, I mean there are certain. Nah, I just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna leave that one alone because that's only gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. I mean, you can't fault me for a little shade sometimes. No, I understand. I, I, I know how this works. I've been on the show for three years now, so I've been interviewed about this show. So yeah, I know how to moonwalk out of these situations. <laughs> and I'm behaving myself for the most part. You really are. I appreciate it. I am. <laughs> Um, so you went on, you saw Cynthia, you were sitting there, like when you were there and it was like question and, you know, were you just like right away? Like now I want, like you're sitting there, you know, we've all seen the video, or at least I have, like, were you like, mm-hmm. I want to win this thing. Like I want this date or was it just still oh. like you're filming, it's all happening at once. You weren't even thinking about like the real I'm world. A, I'm a very competitive person, bro. I'm gonna well, tell sports, you right sports and military. Yes. I, I was going to get the prize. I was going to win. You saw me answering my questions and other people's questions and, and butting in on their answers and all that type of stuff. I did all that. I was going to win the prize. Now, once again, I thought it was just a game. I didn't know that she was really there looking for love. And I was there thinking, okay, I'm open to the situation of meeting this person, but who, why does Cynthia Bailey need to come on a dating show? I thought it was a publicity thing or whatever. So yeah, I, I was, I was in it to win. And once I won it, yeah. I was I was all in. But uh, what's crazy about that, once I won, I actually had to leave as soon as I met Cynthia because they were running behind the production and I had to go to work. And we just talked about the beginning of this, uh, this, this show about being on time. And I am a stickler for being on time. So I had to go across town to get to my real job in order to get there. So I actually met Cynthia. Nice meeting you. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, this has been fun. And I got to go. And I thought I was never going to see her again. And if I saw her again, it'd be like, hey, I'm that guy that, you know, was on Steve Harvey or whatever. Good seeing you. How you doing? I thought that was going to be the end of the story, but obviously it wasn't. And then well, when you went to run to work, because you don't like to be late, like we talked about at the beginning, like was Cynthia like, what the hell? Like, there he goes. Yeah, yeah she, she, we was, we met, we, we hugged and we walked off stage. I remember her publicist being there and I was walking. I was like, hey, you know what, blah, blah, blah. It's really nice to meet you. I got to get to work. We're running behind or whatever. And I remember her face like, oh, oh, okay. Because they wanted us to actually go upstairs and have a little lunch date. And they was going to film it and all that stuff. But since they were running behind, I told them I had to go. I, I had to run out. So it was almost like Cinderella in reverse. I just didn't leave a shoe. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I got to go to work. But the producers, if it wasn't for the Steve Harvey producers, we probably wouldn't be together right now because the producers actually tricked us. The producers, about a week later, they reached out to me and they said, hey, Cynthia really wants to go out with you. She really likes you. She really wants to go out with you. 
is it okay for you to give her a call or have her number? And I'm like, sure. And they were telling Cynthia the same thing that I really wanted to go out with her or whatever. So I sent her a text, hey, pleasure meeting you, blah, blah. And like I said, it was a slow burn after that, but that's the, the, the beginning of the flame. And that wasn't even for a TV, right? Like there was no follow up. They just, no. wow. Mm-hmm. They, well, it was, they wanted us, they did want us to go on a date, which we did. We, uh, so she came back into town and she, I was doing a podcast with Claudia Jordan, you know, Claudia Jordan at the time. I and, do. And a couple of comedians. And uh, Claudia knows Cynthia from the show as well. So she came on our show uh, to do a podcast. And that same day we had set up to go ahead and go and go on our first date. Uh, and we went to, on our date and it was a really nice time. And that's the day that I realized it's like, you know what, she ain't with this Hollywood-ish and she's a good person. And I saw something that she did that really made me like her a lot. And that day I knew I didn't know I was going to be in love with her and fall in love with her and be with her for the rest of my life. But that day is the first day I realized that this is somebody I'm going to have in my life in some capacity for the rest of my life. What did she do? So we, was, we, we parked the car and we was walking towards, um, it was a, a sushi place. I can't think of the name of the sushi place in, in, in Hollywood. But as soon as we was walking down the street, we was passing by Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Uh, over there in, in Hollywood and this woman, this girl, she had to be about 19 years old, just ran out. Cynthia! And she ran up to Cynthia and she hugged Cynthia. Now, this is my first time hanging out with, I've been with celebrities, but first time hanging out with her. And I've seen how other celebrities act when it comes to fans. Cynthia hugged this woman as if this was her best friend. Hi, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, I just love you so much, Mom. She left. And then afterwards, this is when I knew that Cynthia was the real deal because afterwards, Cynthia was like, oh, that was really nice. She was really sweet. It wasn't about, oh, I hate when that happens or, right. you know, I don't like when they get in my space, anything like that. That right there meant the world to me. And I was like, you know what? This woman is who you think she is on and off camera. And, 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 and that's something I can rock with. That makes sense. Because a lot mm-hmm. of celebrities, you know, just being doing what I do, right? A lot of celebrities do not have that same mm-hmm. opinion. And even if they do to your face, they don't when the person walks away. So Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And she treated the wait staff wonderfully. Uh, she had a phone call while we was on a date, but she was really apologetic. She held my hand the entire time. It, she just, you know, uh, that's that was the basis of, of our love story. And uh, it was Steve Harvey started, but the basis of, a lot of our love story was that first date. Are you shocked? You know, like you said, you met lots of celebrities. There's lots of A-list, you know, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts. Mm. Are you shocked at the power of Housewives that people freak out? I, I, I am. Let me tell you something. Housewives fans, and I've been in, in the entertainment and sports industry. I've been around, hung out with LeBron, Shaq, Michael Jordan, been around all these guys, done events with them and all that type of stuff. I ain't never seen nothing like this before in my life. This Housewives franchise, and what's crazy is going back to Claudia Jordan, Claudia was trying to warn me. She said before, when I started dating Cynthia, she said, Mike, be careful. She said, because the Housewives fans are an entirely different animal. It's a different type of fanaticism that you're not going to be used to. And I'm like, girl, I got a thick skin. I've been in sports. I've been called all kinds of names. I've been, I was on ESPN. I was on Fox. Girl, are you kidding? I'm a national sportscaster. I, 
I'm used to all this type of stuff. Man, I was not ready. <laughs> because it's reality shows are different than any other entertainment. You know what I mean? Because reality think this is your real life. And they could take a, 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 a segment or a snippet of a scene for two minutes and think that's who you are totally. You know what I mean? So yeah. the way a show is edited, uh, the way the words come out of your mouth, how you respond, even your facial expressions, they all read into all of that type of stuff. And they take those few moments of a scene or of a show and they apply that to your entire life and they judge you based on that. Even your social media posts or whatnot you put out there, they just overanalyze everything, which is they're right. They can do whatever they want to. But like, like Claudia said, it's a different animal and I wasn't ready for it and I had to get used to it. It is a different animal. Yes. Claudia has mm-hmm. been on our show. We love Claudia. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Did that take getting used to like, is Cynthia good? Like, are you guys good? Like, cause you know, you can go down that rabbit hole of like, you know, feeding the beast and answering and looking at comments and like, did you ever go down that rabbit hole? No, nah, I, I, one of the things I did learn from being a sportscaster is like, you know what, not to respond to the trolls. I mean, if you get personal, if you get to a point where you're saying something about my kids, I'm, I'm coming after your ass. I, I'm just being straight up with you. You know, you don't. As my you kids, should. My kids are off limits. And if you come after Cynthia the wrong way, I'm going to come after your ass. That's right. I'm going to jump in your DMs and I'm going to let you know that don't let this fool you. I don't know if I can curse. I don't let this fool you. You can say you know whatever what I mean? you want. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Don't, don't let this fool you because I, I, all that damn media shit and you see on television or whatever. I will get in your ass. I don't play that when it comes to my family. You know, so if you can say what you want to about me, I've been called everything in the book, man. They like when I first came on, everybody thought I was gay. Which look, really? I ain't got nothing wrong with it. If you feel like I'm gay, you feel it, but I know who I am and secure in who I am. But damn, just because of the way I took pictures, uh they zoom in, oh he needs a manicure, blah blah. Like all everything in your life gets overanalyzed. But once again, she's done a good job of protecting me. Uh, from a lot of that type of stuff. Um, you know, she is classy with her. She just blocks and deletes and she's love and light. And I learned a lot from that. So I know not to respond because I just don't want to get everybody involved and, 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 and make something that's a small flame into a big fire. You know what I mean? Because that's what a troll wants. It's just, um, yeah. they want attention. So I learned not to respond to it as much. I would agree with all, with all mm-hmm. of that they do want attention. And if you feed into it, it's just going to feed the beast. Mm-hmm. Well, to that point, like, you know, after Claudia said this, you know, it's a whole different world. Beware. Like, did you have any reservations, you know, just in the fact that like Cynthia was on this show and you're like, wait, this might be a little too public of a life for me. Yeah. You, you got to understand my background and, and what I do for a living. I mean, what I do for a living is about image and it's about mm-hmm. credibility and, I can honestly say that um, Cindy's gonna kill me for this, but I can I can say, and I told her this, and I'm I'm just gonna be honest with you. I there's a lot of benefits for me coming on the show, and the benefits for me is like okay, it raises your profile a little bit in the entertainment space. People know who you are because of Cynthia, whatever. But also, it makes you like known as okay, he's Cynthia Bailey's husband. While I've already established a great career for myself, whatnot. But a lot of people are like, well, you never heard of you before. Like, well, you ain't never watched sports. You ain't never seen a lot of other things, whatever. You know, a lot of people never heard of Nene Leakes before Real Housewives of Atlanta. But, you know, that's just how it works sometimes. 
But I also can say that sometimes it, it may have had an effect on some of the things that I've done uh, when it comes to my career and some of the opportunities I may have received because there's still a perception that people have of anybody being on or involved in a reality show like that. Uh, and it could, it could hurt them when it comes to uh, certain opportunities out there. Do you think it's helped you more? Like so you said to like raise your visibility or has it hurt more? I think, well, I can't say that it's, I think it's helped more in the sense where, um, you know, I'm with Cynthia or whatnot. I, I think you, way you look at it, us together, uh, it's helped because, you know, I, I love that we're, we are one, that's my wife, you know, and I'm her husband. So what I have and the success I have is her success and vice versa or whatnot. Um, individually, you know, I still want to have my own identity uh, and I've built a career based on that and want to have that identity and I'm doing that, you know, not necessarily just with the book, but what I do on air and off air or whatever and the things I do in the community. Um, but at the same time, yeah, there are opportunities that I may have lost uh, because of being on the show, but I'm pretty sure there are a lot of things that I've gotten uh, the attention of uh, some of the buyers uh, or about certain things, you know, we're about to do a dating show and all that type of stuff. And, you know, my, obviously my Instagram <laughs> followers have increased dramatically. It's basically another Cynthia Bailey fan page, but at the same time, it's like, I'm part of Cynthia Bailey and Cynthia Bailey's part of me. So I have no qualms when it comes to that. Well, like to, right, to your point, I mean, I am loving our chat immensely, but right, I am a gay man and I don't really know sports. I, mm -hmm. I will admit that I, you know, it's okay, but that's, but that's I have fun. learned about you through this, but then, you know, like I read your book and, you know, I, I think it's like, it works both ways. You know, like you said, it's like a different audience. Yeah. And, and I think that's, it's helpful in that regards, because if you can look at me and see, like when you first see it all, like, well, that's another thing that the fan, like, oh, he's an opportunist. I don't, I don't look at opportunists. I ain't trying to take advantage of no situation. I'm with. I'm in love with Cynthia Bailey. I want to, I don't care if she's on the show or not. You know what I mean? This is, I'm with this woman for the rest of my life and she's with me for the rest of our lives and my life. So that's the way I look at it. So I don't care about all of the Cynthia Bailey housewives. I care about Cynthia Bailey, Cynthia Denise Bailey from Tuscumbia, Alabama, the person. That's the one I fell in love with. So all that other stuff, that's some bullshit. I don't care about all that type of stuff. But if you can take her celebrity and get to know me and know my individual story, and then that's helpful. You know, how, how can that not help? And you see me, it's like, oh, he's a cool dude, or he has accomplished this. Oh, let me watch him over here. Obviously, that's going to help me out uh, in some regards. Totally. What about, well, was Steve Harvey at your wedding? I don't even know. Do you guys, I assume you nah, invited Steve Harvey. We, we invited him, uh, but his wife, uh, his, her, her birthday was that same day. And when we first invited them, obviously it was before the whole pandemic or whatnot, and they were planning on being overseas. I don't know if they, I think they went overseas. They were overseas, so they couldn't make it, but we, he was invited. What about, you know, does it ever get, are you ever shocked at like what's not off limits? Like, you know, so I know you had the wedding. I understand like nobody got sick. You know, I'm not, mm -hmm. this is no judgment. Like, you know, nobody right. got sick. There was no cases of COVID. I knew you guys, I saw the mask and everyone washing your hands. Are you shocked when something like that, like a happy day then becomes fodder and, you know, people are like, oh my God, you're having a wedding during COVID. Like that became a thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not shocked by it. I understand. I understand people's concerns and, you know, I'm, I'm the same person. I'm, I'm a huge person that believes people should wear masks. And yeah, we need to do something. Our, our, our uh, response in this country should have been greater or whatnot. So yeah, I, I didn't want to come across as a hypocrite. Um, I, I, one of the things that you saw in, in the show 
you know, we went back and forth about that and like, hey, you know, we got to be responsible. We don't need to have that many people there. I know you want to have your day. I want to have a big day or whatever. So we were trying to be on the same page. Yeah, we went back and forth. But I also understand this is, you know, this is a, a, a woman who wants to have her perfect day, a wedding. I get that. And, and so I, I totally understand where she's coming from. And when you're a bride getting ready for that, the stress of everything that's happening, you know, you 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 you're thinking but at the same time man it's like you just want to have something that's special and at that time you got to understand when we was filming we were still months away from the date so it was like hey things could change you know hey it could be you know hey you're gonna have 300 people at the wedding or whatnot who knows whatnot so that's the way she was thinking but when you look back on it obviously you know hindsight being 2020 people can all overjudge it or whatever so i understand where people are coming from but like she said and i've said numerous times we did everything possible outside of giving you the vaccine, which wasn't even available at the time, uh, no. to make people feel safe coming to our wedding. And like you mentioned, not one case of COVID. Thank God. And that's all the grace of God and, and, and our due diligence um, came from that case. And, and, and we're very happy about that. Yeah, that's amazing. Did you, who, which housewife got the drunkest at your wedding? Drunkest? Uh, <laughs> um... I don't, I don't remember anybody getting that that drunk. Not not any any of the housewives. Now there's plenty of people that got drunk. It, when you see the footage, just that was a part. I'm gonna tell you right now. Uh, our wedding, while it was in the middle of everything, it was people had fun. You cannot name one person who went to that wedding that would tell you they did not they did not have fun. They had a wonderful time. It was such an intimate affair. It was such a great uh, a, a, a event. It was supposed to be outdoors, but I think even being indoors, even though it's the concern of COVID, it was even more intimate because it was the, the lighting was perfect. Her walking down the aisle, so beautiful. I can't wait until people see the actual wedding, not the after stuff. Because a lot of people have seen the reception, but nobody's seen the wedding yet. And that and that's the remarkable part of that whole event. That's what still gets me emotional to this day because it was so beautiful. And we're gonna see that soon. Yep, absolutely. It's gonna it, it will, even though Bravo didn't shoot it. We did, uh, we hired our own crew and we gave the footage to Bravo and so they're going to show it. People will be very happy with that. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy that people are happy for us too. What about, you know, you take it like the engagement party. I know you weren't there and I know Cynthia left, but like that whole Mm -hmm. thing when it was like that blew up too. Like, again, like, are you ever shocked when something, you know, like the whole stripper gate and like did certain housewives, I mean, whatever it is, no judgments, but Uh that became a big thing too. That's reality shows. They, they, they're looking for drama. They're looking for something that's going to be intriguing. You know, I always tell people right now, like, you know, people like drama on reality shows. It's like, our lives are boring. If, if people will put, um, and, and that's what kills me about the whole thing when people say something about Cindy, oh, she's boring. Like, what do you want to do? You want people to, she want to snatch people's wigs off, call women bitches or whatever. She can't just be classy and get along with everybody or whatnot and live her life and have fun. What's wrong with that? While other people are doing that here and there so she can balance things out, it's needed in life. Not everybody's ratcheting wild, you know, so it's not going to be that way sometimes. So I understand the drama that's involved. And yes, it's necessary because it's television. I've been in entertainment long enough to understand that you need to have some kind of entertainment, uh, some kind of drama or whatever at the same time. So 
I'm not surprised by that. It, it's, it's, it was necessary. So, um, this, the, the whole thing with, uh, what's his name? Bolo. Oh, yes. what's his name? Bolo. Bolo. Yeah. Bolo. I mean, I thought it was funny. I thought it was hilarious. I just, when I first heard about it, I was like, well, it just better not be you. That's what I told Cynthia. So, uh, and she assured me it wasn't. And, uh, so we'll see how it all plays out and see who was actually there and what happened. That's going to be great to see too. But to your point, like a housewife once told me, you know, about what you mentioned about Cynthia, like she said, you know, when this is over, because it does end for everyone. She's like, here are the 12 things I want to do with my career when this is over. She's like, I'm not going to go there and be ratchet, as you say, and pull off, you know, there is a, there is an afterlife that you want to go on to. You still have a brand. She has a brand And, and her brand is actually who she is. So she's not, putting on a facade or, or putting on this, this act to keep her brand or image. I've been around entertainers and athletes who have a brand and they're one way in public and they're totally different behind closed doors. And it shocked me sometimes with Cynthia, you know, yeah, she, she, who you see on television is exactly who you see when you hang out with her behind the scenes or whatever. So she has things that she's doing uh, outside of housewives that's made her, even more money made her lucrative, made her successful. And because of the way she's conducting herself uh, on this show, it's given her a platform, but it's also setting her up for greater things after the show is over. So she's doing it the right way. I would agree with that. And before this job that I do now way back, I wasn't the screaming woman that ran up because that's just not my style. But I have, I, I live in New York City. I have met Cynthia just in situations like that. And i not just saying this, beyond every time so nice mm-hmm. beyond she's, she's like i'm not really i'm not just saying that what about like have you ever seen something like either you were there filming or when you watch it with cynthia now like are you do you have you ever seen something on the show where you're just like i can't believe that just happened like i mean they lots has happened yeah i mean um this season, I mean, it's been kind of calm this season because of everything that's going on, and I hope people understand that because, like, man, it was shooting in the middle of a pandemic. I, I got to applaud Bravo and Truly Original, the production company, for the efforts and how they got through this past season with everything that was going on, uh, having to stop production here several times, whatever. But just the the things they put in, in implement and put into place to, to just have a season was remarkable. But it was real because it was – we talked about the pandemic, even the, the wedding and all that type of stuff. And then Portia with the Black Lives Matter movement. And I'm so proud of her and what she's been able to do. But then there's drama that's sprinkled in between and Kenya was going on with her, her life and her situation with my man, Mark or whatnot. And even my boy, Dennis and Port. all those things are still there. So um, when it comes to this season, it, nothing has really kind of shocked me, to be honest with you. I, I, I did hit my boy, Ralph. I'm like, damn, y'all came on the scene strong, <laughs> Ralph and Drew. I'm like, that was the first scene. Like, y'all came on real strong or whatever. But um, so, but even that's not shocking because, you know, I, I've known Ralph for a minute. So I knew the details of it. I just didn't know the editing was going to put that as the first thing that, uh, that introduced uh, uh, everybody to the Housewives franchise. Have you spoken to Ralph of, like, now you're known as the man who disappeared to Florida for three days? <laughs> What was crazy is that I, I, I've, I knew Ralph and I, he told me about that before, you know, even before it came on, before we started talking about it. And I'm like, I said, you said that on camera? <laughs> and that's my dude. I said, well, I said, the one, I, I basically became his Claudia Jordan. I said, your life's going to change. 
I said, I don't know what you've done before. I know Drew's a successful actress and, and you know, you a successful businessman, but this is a totally different ball game. So I've been like the sensei in a sense when it comes to the new men that come on the show, especially like Ralph. That's my dude. He's a good dude. Uh, it means no harm, but it's like, um, I said that, that, that might not go across that well or whatever. So he's got to deal with it. But anything that we say on the air, like I, I have some things that, you know, here I had the party and what I said in front of my daughter and she was there and the emotions, which I've said before, whatever, but even the editing and how it's edited sometimes, it can be edited out of context and not giving the full story. You know, you still got to pay for it. And I, I went through it. I got dragged for a week because of that, you know? So, but that's part of being on this show and that's what you got to prepare yourself for. And then you say to Ralph, like, no, if cameras caught this, you going to Florida for three days, trust me, this will not be lost footage. No, it's, it's there, there. I said that will not hit the cutting room floor. <laughs> that will be part of the show. And then before we bring it back to your book and wrap up. So, I mean, I have to ask, because, I mean, you know, it'll create more of a controversy if I don't ask. I know that Cynthia and you guys, I know you both invited Mimi to the wedding. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and I know Cynthia's been asked a million times, like, were you truly disappointed that she wasn't there? Because I know she was there at the beginning of your relationship. I was. I, I mean, I like Nini. I had nothing against Nini. Nini was very supportive. Nini has shown me nothing but love. Um, this Whatever Cynthia and Nini had going on in the past, that's on them as women, uh, their sisters, you know, sisters and even brothers sometimes fight and go go through their ups and downs. But at the end of the day, you know, when Cynthia was around Nene, she was happy and they had fun. And I think Nene was happy too. Uh, so Nene was there at the beginning. The first time that I really, really hung out with uh, Cynthia in Atlanta, we went and hung out with Nene and went, did karaoke and all that type. They had a great night that night and I got a chance to know her and, She'd come out to L.A. and we'd all hang out together. So, yeah, and I got a chance to meet Greg and know Greg or whatever. So, yeah, it was a little disappointing that she wasn't able to make it. I understand her reasons why. So that's on her. That's her choice. But I really hope that one day, you know, um, Cynthia and Nene can, um, you know, come together and find that common ground, which they do. They're cordial. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing. There's no kind of beef or anything that's happening there. But maybe one day they can get together and we can all, like, still hang out together again. I wouldn't mind that at all. Do you think that's possible? Like their friendship could get back to where it was? I, I think, yeah, I think anything's possible. I mean, like I said, they, they have a base. So the base is there. The base is never going to be broken. I mean, I don't think there was anything that was done that was so egregious that uh, a person's like, I'll never be your friend again. You know, it wasn't like somebody stuck with somebody's husband. Um, that, that, that wasn't the case. Um, so, uh, but, you know, I also believe in reason, season, and lifetime. So some, some people in your life for a reason to be in a season and only a few are meant to be in your life for a lifetime. So, you know, only time will tell. I know Cynthia, the type of person she is, she's open to anybody that is about love and life and wants to show positivity. So if, if it's a situation where it's love and life, positivity, none of that drama, whatever, I know she's open to receiving any of that. I say that all the time, a season, a reason, or a lifetime. And this is the last needing question, I promise, and then we'll wrap up. But are you, are you shocked that she's gone from the show? And are you shocked at the whole now, like, boycott Bravo thing? I, you, know, you know, it's crazy. I'm never shocked about anything. And it's, you know, it's a little surprise. Okay, well, that's uh, okay. All right. But um, I think she's missing. 
That's that's Nene was a huge part of the show. Nene, I look at even like I told you, I used to watch the show back in the day. I think there are bits and pieces of a lot of these ladies that aren't no are no longer on the show that was needed. You know, um, I, I think Phaedra was needed. You know what I mean? Uh, Nene is needed. There are bits and pieces that if you integrate the right people and bring them together, you can create such a great show. And I'm just looking at it from a producer standpoint. You know what I mean? So absolutely to stir the pot here and there to cause controversy but also to show some sisterly love so yeah i'm i think she's missed uh, on the show but also uh what's her name sheree sheree is missed um uh eva's missed in some regards all those women i think claudia's missed claudia i mean like yo i I tell her all the time like that one season she was on there i'm like whoa what happened because you tore it up you know but I think, you know, she'd be good on, you know, she's in Dallas now. Maybe they'll bring on Real Housewives of Dallas. So she was great at that. She's great at everything she does. But, yeah, so with other stuff, I mean, that's like, I understand this business and you go through your ups and downs. I don't know what, how she feels about Bravo and what they did to her, the entire aspect of it. That's her business. I'm going to leave it at that. But I wish her well, and I wish everybody well in, in, in their regards. What about is tell us something about you and Cynthia? We don't know, not necessarily just whatever. What, uh, what would we be shocked to find out about the two of you? Uh, we are far from perfect, uh, but we're perfect for each other. We say that all the time, but we, we, Cynthia and I, and knock on wood, since we've been married, we have not had one argument, <laughs> so uh, that hopefully that doesn't change. But Cynthia and I are. One of the things that I love about our relationship, and I tell her this all the time, people always say, oh, a couple goals. And some of the women say, I want me a mic and all that. Like, like mm, mm, uh, I might not be right for everybody. And Cynthia might not be right for every man. You know what I mean? But we're right for each other. So, and that's the thing that I love about us is that we're, we're not afraid to put that out there too. And we'll admit that we, you know, we had issues, man. We almost, this time last year, Cynthia and I almost didn't make it to be quite honest with you. We went through it. I mean, right before the pandemic, we went through it. And really, you look at everything, sometimes your biggest burdens turn out to be your biggest blessings. The pandemic, while it was a big burden for a lot of people, it still is, obviously, for us, and we wish everybody well, it turned out to be a blessing for us because it had forced us to stay in a situation and work some things out. So we almost didn't make it down the aisle uh, in, uh, in, in October. Uh, but we, we we got through it, and by the grace of God, we're, we're going to continue to move forward and, and, and make a, a long, loving life out of it. And you think COVID and quarantine has only helped? It, it helped. I mean, we, once we, you know, it, we had some trying times, don't get me wrong, during quarantine with the whole family being here and whatnot. It kind of, but it made us realize that we're willing to work uh, on our relationship and work, and we're worth working for each other. And I think that's the, the the message that we send out to everybody when it comes to couples that talk to us about it. It's like, you know what? You got to find somebody that's worth working for. Um, you're not going to find a perfect person. But once again, you got to find somebody who's perfect for you. Uh, there are no Adonises. There are no unicorns out there. It just doesn't work. It doesn't happen. You keep on looking. You're not going to find them. There's not going to be that perfect woman that's just going to blow you off. Your, she's just going to come into your life and she's going to be right for you but you also have to be whole yourself and that's what makes it better like i said going back to the book i had to be whole i was missing pieces and that's why i was having trouble in our relationships because i was finding pieces and supplementing something that some woman brought to the table that was fulfilling something i was missing when i became whole 
I decided I don't need to have somebody in my life. I want somebody in my life. And Cynthia was the same way. And it became like two layers of a, a, a perfect cake where you got this perfect 360 degree round whole cake, one layer here, you add another layer on top and everything that we build is just the icing on top of it. What a great byproduct of open mic. It, I mean, that helped. So my last question is now, where or where? Are you going to stay in LA? Are you coming yeah. to Lake Bailey full time? Tell me. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I am, I'm probably going to be spending more time in Atlanta. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, next season, you know, with Cynthia being on the show, whatever, I'll be there to help her out with that. But I'll probably be moving to Atlanta more so and spending more time there than I will be in L.A. I'm not giving up my home here in L.A. because we got a lot of business out here as well. But um, Cynthia and I, next season, we're uh, next, not next season, I should say next this, this year, I should say, we're, um, we're looking for a new home. You know, so she wants to keep Lake Bailey, but we want to expand as well uh, because I just want something that's ours. You know, she got Lake Bailey. I got what we call Beverly Chills here. Uh, and, I, like, I like that. <laughs> and But we want to have something that we can buy together and continue to build real estate and just continue to expand uh, what our, whatever our empire is supposed to be. I love that. And as long as we're not getting rid of Lake Bailey. so No, no never get rid of Lake Bailey. It's, well, it's called Lake. It's called Lake Bill. Lake Bailey on the Hill. Now that's what it's called. Okay, that she added to it. That works. And Beverly Chill works. I like yes. that. Yeah, and Be came Beverly out. Chill yes. works too. So there yes. you go. Yes. Well, next season we, you know, this is what we can see on the show. We can see you guys shopping for a new house. Yeah, shopping for new. We got a lot of things that's happening coming up. So you know, um, hopefully everybody will be able to see that next season on the Housewives of Atlanta. Or just, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know regardless. Where can everyone find you online? Everyone that wants to follow you and see all, I know all these things are coming up. Uh, I am on It's Mike Hill, I-T-S, Mike Hill on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, make sure you continue to tune into my YouTube page, Open Mic Sessions. Uh, we'll continue to do those once a month. Once again, those, uh, those segments are coming out uh, pretty nice and getting great feedback. Uh, I'm on Fox Soul on the uh, Chopping Up with Mike and Donnie and uh, get the book, Open Mic. Once again, Target.com, just released, Amazon.com and on uh, Barnes and Nobles and anywhere books are sold. So we appreciate it. I appreciate you for having me on tonight. I appreciate you and thank you for entertaining all of my, you know, Cynthia Bailey questions. So if you, ever, if you ever want to, you know, spread the love, you know, one night when you guys are having like a nice glass of red wine and tell Cynthia what a great, great time you had here on Behind the Velvet Rope. The door is wide open for her anytime. Can I tell you something right now? Yes. You, you, you were good. Uh, and I've been on shows before where they became really messy and, you know, with the Housewives fan people whatnot. But you're good. And what I'll do, because you were so nice, I'll bring Cynthia back with me. So we can do it that way. We can do that for Valentine's Day when you guys, I mean, I would really appreciate it. And I, you know, like a, a little shade, but I try not to get messy. I feel like we don't need that. And I just, I personally really don't think it's respectful to someone who's here. You know, you have a book, you have a whole career and I have my own agenda on the side, but I, I am always respectful. So I, I really do appreciate that. No, nah, it's, it's, it's cool, bro. It, it, the shade wasn't, it was respectful shade. Like respect, I said, I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. So if you would like to come back, that would be like forever. 
you know. If you have me back, I'll, I'll be happy to come back. I appreciate okay. it. Okay, you will. You guys can come back together. So thank, thank you. Absolutely. Everyone needs to follow you and get the book, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Dave. Appreciate it. Thanks thank you, Mike. Take care. All right. All right, Bye. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.